0: Welcome. You're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. We'll start with our names. <clears throat> What's up? We'll just include in there. Yeah, please do that. I'm Pastor Tyler, the worship pastor at Westside Church of God. I want you to introduce
1: yourselves, guys. Hey, hey guys. I am Pastor Jason, Lee, pastor, teaching pastor at Westside Church of God in Papa Bluff, Missouri. Wonderful. And with us, we have a third guest, or I guess a first guest. We're all guests. We've We're never all done guests. this before. All guests. First
0: one. Yeah. We're all guests. Who's that third voice we hear?
2: Hello, my name is Nico Cuevas. I don't have a title at West <laughs> Church of God.
0: Faithful member, there you go. <laughs> Faithful member, volunteer, servant, and local graphics and video and media and all of that stuff. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. We wanted to come out strong on the first episode. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, welcome again to the rest of the sermon. We want to just emphasize the, the importance of the idea of just diving into deeper into content, into conversation, as we said here in our intro. And Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about the birth of the rest of the sermon? Why is it called? Called the rest of the, Just start with that. Why is yeah. it called the rest of the sermon?
1: Well, if anybody um, is familiar with news or history or anything like that, it's a complete and 100% total ripoff of <laughs> Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story. And I remember traveling around with my dad and listening to those stories. Paul Harvey was a great news anchor, and he would tell you something that you thought you already knew, and then they would go to break and he would go and the rest of the story. And then you got this awesome insight on something that you hadn't learned before. Yeah. So that's, you know, where that comes from. You are really kind of the seedbed of of the idea of this because um, throughout the week, as I'm sort of sermon prepping or you know studying and writing the sermon, yeah. I will um, just burst into Tyler's office, unexpected, unannounced, unapologetic. Hold on, real quick. It's always welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's, there's
0: never out. There's never a moment where I'm in the middle of something and you bust in. And I'm like, oh gosh, here he is again. Because <laughs> I mean, like, I'll walk
1: in and I'll be like, I mean, the hypostatic union. How do I? And so what I'm doing is in sermon preparation. It's never oh no, what am I going to say? It's always, what am I going to have to leave out for the sake of time? Yeah. Uh, I mean when you deal with a text of scripture and you're walking through it verse by verse every word matters. Yeah. Um and so what the birth of it was is in these conversations with you in the office it was like man I would love to go down this road and yeah. and why did Luke say this or you know why did Paul leave this out and it doesn't make it in. And so when we sort of started talking about a podcast it just made sense that right. that's a ongoing natural conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I remember a couple of years ago,
0: we were talking about what would it be like to, it, it might've been the time where the studio was actually getting constructed. And we were talking about birthing a podcast and what that would look like. And I have a running list on my phone of all of the random subjects cool. that yeah, we yeah, cool. would put together. And uh, and then eventually one day, this kind of birth and came from that. You, you talked about, well, you brought up Paul Harvey and you brought up the rest of the story. And you brought up the fact that there's just so much, just what you said there's so much content in yeah. the midst of a sermon that you want to bring to to people's attention and understanding the value of things like that are maybe a little bit more in depth theologically and yeah. and maybe historically i know that history is a is a subject that you're passionate about and that you love and a lot of times those things can't make it in there and so that kind of became the the natural avenue for what yeah, for this sort sure. of became
1: and i also think secondarily too like i love talking with people on sunday like yeah. in the lobby insight. And so, you know, another primary reason for this podcast is for people to hear us and to get to have a conversation, um, you know, that we would have, you know, in the church lobby that's a bit more extended, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, why don't we just dive right into it? We,
0: uh, uh, in terms of content, we just finished up a sermon series this last week called The Prayers of Jesus. Yeah, man. We were in Mark chapter 14 this past week, and uh, before that, we spent about three weeks in the High Priestly Prayer in John chapter 17. Yeah. Um, but why The Prayers of Jesus? Why did we choose this series? Why lead our people through a time of kind of focusing on specifically not just prayer in the Bible, but Jesus praying and what He prayed?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, obviously, with everything that's going on in the world... Um, I've seen, heard the statement, praying for you. We need to be praying, um, and so that was just at the forefront. We always at Westside try to bounce um, back and forth between the disciplines of of the Christian faith, and so we primarily teach through books of the Bible, just sort of verse by verse, and in between that, you know, we'll hit on you know whether it's prayer, fasting, Bible reading, or this, that, and the other. And so um, I just felt sort of a leading of this is a primary season to learn about prayer. And, but particularly I think we learn how to pray by praying. Yeah, It's like riding a bike. It's just, you just learn by doing it. But at the same time, I think we need to kind of to turn to something or someone and go, Hey, am I doing this right? What does this look like? And so, you know, at at Westside, it's not a tagline. Like we really believe that it's all about Jesus. Yeah, And so um, I thought, well, how did Jesus pray? and just kind of started reading through the Gospels, and um, it's just interesting. You always see this little line that says, and he went away to a quiet place yeah. and prayed. Yeah. And I just, I saw it over and over and over again. Yeah. And so once I landed there, I thought, yeah, I think this is a direction.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. I, I read a book at the beginning of the year um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. A friend of mm. mine, uh, an old pastor friend of mine, recommended it. It's a great book by John Mark Comer, and most of the book is just footnotes of Dallas Willard. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I forget the other guy's name, but um, he talks about a huge portion in that book that that getting away, Jesus went away to the Eremos, or the wilderness, yeah. um, and that's like a quiet place. Um, that That isn't, uh, it's not solitude, um, it's it's not uh, isolation, yeah. um, but it's it's away from the noise, um, with the purpose of communication and communing with the Lord. Absolutely, and that Jesus got away. And and John Mark Comer talks about Jesus going from either on his way to teaching or performing miracles, or coming from a teaching or performing miracles. And in the in between those gaps, he's always in the Iremos. He's yeah, always man. withdrawing away, and it's almost like, uh, well, it's it's just like we said throughout the throughout the series that Jesus got away in those places because even though he's fully God and fully man, he was aware that he needed prayer, yeah, and that it was something that was necessary. And so, what would you say to, what what, what would you say? Well, first, let's go personal. Where what's your
1: Iremos? Mm. What is your wilderness? Um, yeah. And maybe. Kind of go from there? Yeah. So what we said in the series was, in any relationship, there's communication. There's forms of communication um, with your wife, with your friends, with your spouse. Um, And so what we said is the basis in the Christian faith for communication, the Bible is God speaking to us. So when we read the scriptures, we know that God is speaking. Um, and then prayer is us speaking back to God. And I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says that prayer is a response to what God has already done. Yeah. Um, it's God initiates, God starts the conversation, and then we respond with that. And so um, in, in my own life, it's looked different in, in different seasons, especially with kids, you know, three kids and all of that. I'm a morning person, and I don't want to be legalistic about this because you can be like, Jesus got up while it was still dark, and all of you, not like, that's and if you're, you're not, you're a sinner. Yeah, right. Yeah, that that's not what this is about. Um, but for me, I'm a morning person, and so um, I usually start my day, uh, you know, with some coffee or some sort of caffeine, and um, I'll sit in the silence for a little bit, and and I'm trying to befriend silence. Um, I am in Enneagram 3 for any of you nerds who know what that means. I like to be moving. I like to be accomplishing something. I like things to be happening. And so for me to sit in silence sort of centers myself. Um, I'm learning a few prayers. Uh, One of them is is the Jesus prayer, which is just an ancient, one of the earliest prayers that we have outside of Scripture. And it just simply goes, um, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so I'll just kind of repeat that, um, and then grab my Bible, read. I always read the scriptures and then pray because I think that's a very important uh, thing. Like I said, prayer is a response to what God has already said and done. Yeah. And so through my Bible reading plan that we're going through with the church, um, you know, I'll read read my devotional and then um, continue my time that way. So it's always in the morning. But man, I've I've tried, and I'm gonna be completely honest. And it's a discipline that I haven't incorporated. Hundred percent. Yet, I'm also learning um, to break that up in the day, mm-hmm. whether that be two times or th- I would love to do three, which is morning, midday, and evening, um, which is you know a daily office, and you can find a lot of history on that. So that I'm I'm shooting for that, but yeah. but primarily the wilderness for me looks like the first portion of my day. Yeah. So how about you?
0: Yeah. For me, oh man. Uh, well, for those of you who don't know, I may be an enneagram two, uh, so I have a hard time answering questions like, "Well, what about you?" Right. I'm like, well, I, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a two. <laughs> definitely a two. Uh, for me, um, the the Irimos is generally an area that that is just quiet um, mm. in in terms of of noise. Uh, there's uh, being being the worship pastor at Westside and growing up with a love for music. Um, I have I have the tendency at a fault to fill my day with noise whether it's music um, we were just talking about a new a new lo-fi album that just came out um, whether it's that that's on uh, or whether it's a podcast or uh, there are times where I my wife will literally, in the van uh, when we're driving somewhere, she'll be like, why, why is this on? Do you even hear what? I'm like, no, it's just noise. Like, right. I, mean, I grew up with the TV on while we were eating dinner. Yeah, it was just always something in the background. So generally for me, when it comes to my ear most, the first qualification is, it, is silence. Um, and that's one of the most challenging things for me, um, is finding silence. But in that, um, it also looks pretty similar in terms of my approach to God's Word and not just looking not just randomly like reading and pointing to my Bible and like guessing where I am sure. this Bible reading plan that we've been going through through the year which we're almost done right <laughs> I know man has been extremely helpful to kind of just give a, a guide for me as, as to where we're going and um, th- major thanks to the guys who put that together because it, there's also it's it's a book by book reading plan and right. it kind of puts that together in a way that's helpful but um, so I'll, I'll generally sit down with that on a daily basis. I'm more of an evening guy. Mm. Um, I used to be a morning person, and I think I lied to people and told them I was, but I, <laughs> but I wasn't. <laughs> Amen. Um, Your sins are absolved. Yeah, and so in the evenings, um, I'll generally find myself uh, either... either just sitting in my bed reading my Bible or finding a place in the living room, just a place that's quiet um, and sitting down and reading and then spending time in prayer. Um, I, I may want to adopt some of the, I, well, I know that the the field guide for prayer is something yeah. that's helpful to carry around. Um, and also just language of, of being aware. I have this, uh, this great sin where I find myself just over-talking, which I'm doing right now. Um, and I do that in prayer as opposed to, um, Really, just slowing down and being concise with my words, and I think that discipline in conjunction with the silence has been really helpful for me to hear from God in His Word and to respond concisely um, and in a meaningful way. And so, yeah. that's a, my Iremos looks for me like silence, God's Word, and conciseness in my speech. It's good. My I like yeah.
1: that it's that it's different. Yeah, and I think that's okay yeah. when it comes to that. Nick, yeah. you got anything? What does it look like for you? What yeah. is it?
2: Yeah. Um, well, because I think it seems like it's important. I'm an Enneagram four. Nice. Um, so awesome. so my stuff has to be different obviously because of that. But, um, I would say during the season, um, that, that we're in with the coronavirus and things of that nature, um, I found it to be a lot more important to find that. Mm. And in a weird way, I think I found it kind of easier to find that, right? You, you we started out the beginning of this year working from home or for a lot of us working from home. Uh, and so I started taking on that morning ritual of morning prayer, um, kind of in the silence. I actually made it to where I was, I was waking up pretty, pretty early in the morning. Um, and so, so much earlier than I would like to, but I also found that kind of helpful because in my prayer, the first thing I would do is I would sit down and I would light candles and read my candle by Bible, uh, by read my bible by candlelight right yeah man and um uh i would pray before i got started and th- the prayer would simply be um jesus help cuz i can't do this yeah man yeah. and and i found that to be so helpful um because i would pray after reading scripture as well after journaling um and and find ways to whatever it was i was reading to apply to my life in that moment but i think that that helpful you know moment of brokenness in the in the very beginning of the day, starting your day with humility and realizing uh that whatever it is I'm going to do today is not of my own strength. Yeah, man. And so um I found that to to be extremely helpful. Um and then of course on a like a very serious like or the 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 nth degree of wilderness for me is, and I've I've introduced Tyler to this, and I've been trying to get Jason on board with it. Is a uh, sensory deprivation floats, right? <laughs> yes. And, yes. and you can't do a podcast and not talk about sensory deprivation it. floats. <laughs> I love it. But, That's um, great. If you want to talk about be still and know, um, literally removing every bit of external stimuli, um, the some of the most effective moments of prayer and uh, critical thought around my faith and my journey with Christ has happened within, uh, a sensory deprivation flow. Wow, and so, um, it's one of those things that you don't hear a lot, uh, talked about in, in Christian circles, but, um, I think it's something that I would highly encourage anyone to give a try. That's dope. For that's sure. cool, man. Yeah. One of
1: the things I think that's interesting is, and we said this at the end of the day, we said that prayer, and this comes from Tim Keller's book called prayer, um, awe and intimacy with God. He says that prayer is both discipline and delight. Yeah. So every what what's common in what we've just said is, is that it's work. And this is a biblical concept because the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Yeah. What's so interesting about that is, A, some of them were Jewish. So they would have known, I mean, these Jewish prayers, they would have known this concept of prayer, the Psalms, yeah. all of this. B... They saw the Pharisees and Sadducees praying, I mean all the time. But then they saw Jesus pray. Yeah. And when they saw Jesus pray, they said something's different. Yeah. That's different. So Lord, teach us how to do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the underlying current in that and what has really struck a chord in the series for me is when Jesus says, "Father." Yeah. "Abba Father." It's I think that was the game changer. I think the disciples heard that over and over, yeah, and thought that's different. Nobody approaches God the way that Jesus does. And in John's gospel, it says that that was one of the reasons why Jesus was murdered, yeah, because it says that he was calling God his own Father,, yeah. making himself equal with God. And so I just don't want us to ever forget in the Christian faith that we get to approach God as Father, the Father heart of God. And I think that chord rung deep if you go back and listen to the sermons that was something that constantly came up yeah was was that idea of god as father yeah
0: and that's huge and that was part of that was part of the text from last week where jesus is in the garden of gethsemane and he voices abba father all things are possible for you in the midst of his pain yeah and that was sort of the crux of, of this week's sermon and one of the sticky sentences the big ideas that we had for this week was voicing our pain in prayer is vital to our faith. Yeah. And Nico, you even mentioned um, just in the midst of a pandemic, sort of these uh, these disciplines, whether it be floating or sensory de- deprivation or sure. waking up early. Jason, like you'd mentioned your rhythms, um, being an early bird and and trying to do that in the morning and then throughout the day. Um, in the midst of, of, of the pandemic that we're going through right now, I can't, I, I can't see anything more vital or more necessary um, in a time of such pain. Absolutely. Um, why why is voicing our pain in the context of Abba Father? Because we hear hear Jesus starting his prayer this way in the garden after he invites his friends to come with him and watch for a while while he prays. And the first thing he says is Abba Father in the midst of his pain. What can we take from that in 2020 in the midst of a pandemic where it seems like everybody's in some form of pain? It doesn't make it easier for anybody to know that everybody is in some form of pain but where is the importance in this where is the importance in not just coming to god as father and pray, not just coming to him in prayer in the midst of our pain but coming to him knowing that he is our father
1: yeah for where sure. is the
0: importance in that
1: well i think one of the things that that covid and the pandemic has done is that it's exposed some things in our lives and so i've heard from many many people especially during the shelter in place um man, I don't have a routine. I don't have, I mean, the pandemic has interrupted everything. And so it's exposed this, you know, there's no, I'm not tethered to anything. I'm going with the ebb and flow. And when it comes to the idea of pain, I mean, this year, 2020 has been filled. I mean, physical pain. Yeah, absolutely. Mental pain. I mean, it was just reported the article last week, more people in Japan died of suicide than they did of COVID. Yeah. Um, I mean, the hotlines, I mean, this is real. And I, and I love that we're having the conversation, that people are finally talking about these things. But the mental, emotional, and physical pain during this season is nothing like I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, and then you can even carry it further with the opioid epidemic and just continue to march down this. So, So the question is this. It's not, will I have pain? Yeah. The answer is yes to that. And the scriptures are very clear. Jesus says, you will have tribulations, suffering in this world. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. What are you going to do with it? And we've seen the options. Um, you know, the John Wayne bill of goods that we were sold, especially as men of you just grit and bear it, you know. Um, I've just never seen that turn out well. I've yeah. seen that crush men from the inside out. Um, and then, even this idea of womanhood of you 're enough you 're strong, I mean my wife has many comments and opinions about what is sold to women about you 're strong enough, you can do it um, yeah. n- no you 're not, <laughs> and we need something, and so I think looking at all the alternatives, if we 're completely honest, yeah something 's not working, and so when we turn to the scriptures, and this is something we do all the time is is we lay the options out on the table honestly. Um, I don't ever want you know, us to approach Christianity as something other just because we were told that. Like like let's survey the landscape. Yeah. Let's see what's going on. And I think the reason why Christianity prevails is um, it's time tested, but also the Psalms, we see real people in the scriptures going through real pain. Yeah. And every time they do, it is expressed and voiced in prayer. Yeah. And I just think there's something there. And I think you talk to any clinical psychologist or a counselor, um, but talking through the pain yeah. is vital. And we see Jesus doing that yeah. in the Garden of Gethsemane. We said Gethsemane means to press, it was an oil press. Yeah. And so the context of the passage is, is, I mean, like a Cohen Brothers film. Like, I mean, it—the scene opens, right. and if you know what this means, the the oil press is close by. What the name means, and then you have Jesus experiencing this pain. Yeah, I mean, I, I just—it really strikes deep with me. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's
0: that's an amazing concept to have. This idea that you said it—you said it on Sunday. We we seem to sort of glorify we. we when we look at Jesus in the scriptures, we seem to remove his humanity and only lift up his deity,
1: which is a and, heresy. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, literally, yeah, people I mean, were
0: punched and councils were had. Yes, <laughs> I mean,
1: we have church history to look at this to go. It is not he was human and or he was divine and then subtracted. Right. It, it was addition. Yeah. It was fully God. Yeah. Fully man. Yeah. And so when we see miracles and everything like that, um. Like, what about the emotional life of Jesus? Right. Like, what about the emotional health of Jesus Christ? And I think in this passage there are some major lightning bolts yeah. of some words that that express that that you have to reconcile and deal yeah. with.
0: Well, in Hebrews chapter 4, we read it in the midst of our worship service. Um, it says we don't have a great high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but in every respect has been tempted as we are, even mm. without sin. He can sympathize with our weaknesses and with our with with, with our I don't want to say with our failures, but with with, with our emotional becomings and yeah. and what is taking place. And I think when we make the mistake of just removing Jesus's humanity and elevating his deity, we can miss the importance of a prayer like this in the garden. Absolutely, of a prayer like this that is so raw and that is so honest with God. That the first words that he cries is "Father," almost like what you said on Sunday when when. Your toddler is hurt. The first thing they do, or they're scared, they run to mom yes. and dad, yes. and and that is, that is this knee jerk reaction that we see in Jesus. Um, that he's he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but but he doesn't sin and run the other way. Right. He runs to the Father, and I think that's so important. It. it and here's here's where we want to move to next, and in terms of the podcast, we we had we had six ways of how we could voice our pain in our prayer. That's six points on something
3: yeah. <laughs> that's well, just on one. Slide. Welcome to West Side, you know.
0: <clears throat> how do we voice our pain in our prayer? Um, and I really loved. I, Number six was hilarious because it was sort of a, a it was sort of a punchline at the end. It was repeat steps one through five. Yeah. Um, and steps one through five, if you want to go back and listen to the sermon, I'll run through them really quick. It's re- request friends to pray with you. Run to the Father. Release your emotions. Remind yourself of God's bigness and resist quitting. But I love repeat steps one through five because what Jesus is doing in the garden here is no different than what we see throughout His ministry. Amen. His entire ministry. What would you have to, to say to somebody? Well, let's reverse this. When's a time in your guys' lives where you wanted to quit, where you've prayed for somebody, and you've prayed for maybe something in your life, and you've wanted to? We're get we're getting honest here, guys. Yeah. Just just a heads up. Come on. Um, when's a time that you you felt the urge to quit and the temptation to quit, um, and
1: what was that like, in terms of prayer? Yeah, I mean, I think I can recall. You know the history and story of Westside. Um, it was a dead and dying church, and so. Through God's miraculous call, <clears throat> Courtney and I were called there, and there were 25 votes cast for me to be pastor, and like 14 people on a Sunday. And man, there were times where it was like, I'm praying every day for this church. For for from what am I supposed to be doing, God? I feel like you've called us here. Um, there's a monumental task here. Where is life, vitality, fruit, all of this? And I'll never forget. I know the first person um, that we baptized there. And man, that moment, the, the, the water heater broke on the <laughs> baptistry and it was in like February. That, that's why I remember it. We were literally boiling pots of water and like dumping it in there and it made no use whatsoever. <laughs> but, but seeing that come to fruition, yeah. um, man, like when I say that I needed that, I, I didn't need it for results. But the idea of when Jesus says, could you not pray one hour? Um, You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Man, there were times where I felt that in my prayer life, praying for the church. Like, what are we doing, God? You know what I'm going to say. Like, you know what I'm going to say. And um, so, yeah, I think for me, that would be a concrete time that I can go back to for sure.
0: Sure. What about you, Nico?
2: Yeah. um, You know, I I think there's pretty much one singular time um, that, that I could point to that uh, I felt that more than ever in my life. And uh, as, as someone who uh, used to be a youth pastor um, working through that ministry and also working through a really hard time in my life um, struggling with depression and anxiety and things of those na- of, of that nature. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is I, I, I heard the call from God to be working in ministry Um, and it was so hard to work through it that, um, my prayers just felt so hollow Mm. um, at times. And then, uh, and, and, and I never quit in that situation necessarily. But, um, when, when I was, when I was released from that position and essentially was had to leave the church that I had been a part of for seven years of my life, um, and had been a part of my entire, um, time as a Christian. Um, I mean, that's really hard to do whenever, whenever you feel like, um, you know, feelings of abandonment or things of that nature sure. and you're feeling alone in that situation and, yeah. and the people that you would regularly turn to are no longer available to you. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think, you two were extremely helpful in that time of, of uh, keeping me accountable. And I think oddly enough, the, 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 I I don't know what it is. I I think it was probably, you know, it was the, the Holy spirit guiding me to be more disciplined than I even was beforehand. And if it wasn't for Foxtrot coffee here in town, yeah, shout Shout out to Foxtrot. Amen. (laughs) I would 404 vine street, proper bluff, Missouri. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, You know, I spent every single morning, you know, six o'clock in the morning yeah. there reading my Bible yeah. um, in prayer, talking to to Philip Neely there or, or whoever. And um, that was really the start of um, a new level of spiritual discipline that I hadn't had before. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And so it's one of those weird things of of I think it's absolutely fascinating when you get to that point of of quitting of where you feel like you need to quit um yeah and you feel like there's nothing that's left there for you when you decide to kind of repeat the steps and go back yeah um i became so much healthier in in my my spiritual disciplines in my walk with christ than i had ever had been before and yeah it was one of those weird things of it wasn't my quote-unquote moment of salvation but um you know up to that point i thought my story of a being a Christian was one thing, mm. and then through that, I found out it was something completely a different. Journey, yeah, and yeah, so that's good. Um, that's good, man. You know, it was a it was, those moments are, are, are blessings, even if they don't feel like it. Yeah, so for one sure. of one of
1: the things that's significant, Nico, and you saying that is in the passage. Jesus goes to the disciples three times. Yeah, three times, and they're sleeping. And what's so funny about the context is it's right after the Last Supper. <laughs> So they've just ate this meal. Yeah. They've just um, also partaken in what we would know now as Eucharist, yeah. and there was you know some wine involved. And so I think they're full. It's a warm evening, and we're gonna pray. And they're just like dozing off. Yeah. And for some reason, I just found it so comforting. You know, I just yeah. found the realness and rawness of that yeah. um, to be comforting. Yeah. You
0: know? No, that's good. That's really good. I, I think a time where. Uh, there's a specific time that comes to mind for me when i'm thinking of of giving up in the midst of prayer um, i had a, a friend in high school um and i wasn't as close to him as some of my other friends were but we all hung out together we went to pick him up one morning and and he was lifeless he had died the night oh, in his sleep and, and um me and my friend were uh we were just like we were like 16 17 year, years old and and I, I think there were drugs involved to some degree and um so the police had shown up and and my friend and I, the police not knowing what was going on at all, we were put in the back of his car. And yeah. and my friend and I, um, my friend turned to me and he said, hey, let's pray for him right now. Let's pray that God would bring him back. And wow. and we prayed out loud so, so loud in the back of that police car for like 10, 15 minutes. The officer came by. He's like, you guys need to stop talking. I'm like, it, wow. it, was, it was crazy. I felt intimidated. Um, I felt scared to pray for something that I didn't know would happen wow. or could happen. Um, and, uh, needless to say, I, I stopped praying. I don't think that is the reason, um, that he was not resurrected, but that was a moment that I felt, I felt guilt for and shame for, for, for stopping praying. But I know that those feelings are not from God because when we go back to, to how we voice our pain in prayer, um. The first one is what we see Jesus doing is to request friends to pray with you. And wow. I had my buddy in the back of that car with me, and he was telling me, hey, let's keep doing this. Yeah. Let's keep doing this. And I'm, I'm remembering the importance of that. And so for for people who who are in the midst of maybe wanting to give up um, in the midst of prayer, maybe they have been praying for a family member or for a church or, or for something going on in their life, um, what is what is the benefit? What's a practical way that they could have somebody maybe come and pray with them, or yeah. uh, whether it's a family member or a friend? Because if you if a lot of people are, feel really awkward about like asking somebody, sure, not not just will you pray with me, but can I pray for you? Right. And and how how would that look like in a in a
1: natural context? In a, yeah, I think it's you know I think it's there in the passage. Yeah. It's, it, it says that Jesus tells his disciples to pray, plural. But then it says that he takes with him Peter, James, and John. Yeah. So when you look at Jesus's life, um, there's I can't remember who did this, but there's three sort of social um, influences of circles. There is the large outer ring, which is a hundred plus disciples that we know of. Yeah. And then there's another ring um, of you know probably twenty four. Then there's another ring of the twelve that we hear about in Scripture all the time. Yeah. But then there's a tight inner ring. Of the three, the Peter, James, and John, and they get to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. They're always included. And so, what we said Sunday was, um, asking for help isn't weak; it's wise. Yeah, uh, you know. And and I think if anything, the pandemic has maybe forced that. Yeah. Because you either have two options: you can either ask for help, or you can just succumb to what's going on. And so, um, I think it's it's not weak; it's wise. But secondly, we just said out of wisdom. Yeah be selective on who you let in yeah and and not not a um, bitter person yeah. and that and that's a different sermon yeah. um, but I think being wise and so Jesus saw in Peter James and John something that he could let them in on yeah. friendship trust. Those type of things like that. And even at the end of the passage, he says, look, my betrayer comes, which was Judas, who was just at the meal with him. So looking at Jesus' social influence, I think we can draw those conclusions that it's okay to ask and bring people in. I think you need to be selective. I think you need to be selective with people, A, that you already have relationships with. You know, I don't think this is a way you start a relationship primarily of going, hey, I'm going through this emotional, physical pain, yeah. and I'm going to bring you in on one of the most intimate moments in my life. Um, maybe, but I just, I don't know if I would suggest that. So I think it's people yeah. that you already have relationships with. Secondly, I think it's people that you know who are already walking with Jesus, people that you know who are already praying, people that you know who are reading the scriptures. Um, I think those things are pretty important in yeah. that sense. Absolutely.
0: One of the things that, that strikes me in terms of Jesus's uh, humanity in the midst of his deity, humanity, deity, and his humanity in the garden, we actually see that he was very sorrowful even unto death, mm. and that in the midst, he, he, he took a few more steps, and then he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. We see a physical turmoil already taking place in the body of Jesus Christ here yeah. in the garden, and... We we read a book this year together um, called Managing Leadership Anxiety by Steve Cuss, yeah. and one of the things that Steve says in there is in the midst of, of anxiety whether it's yours or somebody else's, um, regardless of how long you are you are experiencing anxiety, your body keeps the score. Always, your body keeps the score, and uh, I would love to just have us talk a little bit about about the humanity of Jesus and how his body was keeping the score in this moment, what was physically happening to his body, and are there things that we can glean from that? Do our bodies communicate things? Does God communicate to Mm. us through our bodies and maybe through health and, and, uh, you know, anxiety, headaches, I don't know, however we want to get into that. But sure. what's going on with Jesus' body in that mi- in, in the midst of the garden? Drops of blood, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, this would be one where I wish I could have gone in the sermon and had more time, yeah. 100%. Well, here we are. Um, yes, just because the words that are used, distressed, troubled, and then Jesus says, I'm very sorrowful even to death. And then it says that he went a little further and fell to the ground. These And, and this is a tension here, and I'm just going to leave this with everybody. Yeah. But the words... Distressed and troubled are used for anxiety. I mean, I mean, they are complex words in the original language. So then the question is, well, did Jesus suffer from anxiety? And I don't know if we can go down that trail. Um, but I know this: I think he experienced something. Yeah, um, that was very intense. And in Luke's gospel, he sweats great drops of blood. And so, and, and we're coming up on on Advent, on yeah. Christmas, right? And so. You know, the next podcast we're going to talk about this, but the incarnation means that God put on human flesh, carna. When you order carne asada, you're ordering amen. flesh, right? Okay. Yes, yes and amen. <laughs> so incarnation is God putting on flesh, which which tells me this. The body was a human body. And one of the things I'm learning, and I think the church does a very poor job of speaking about. Um, is this idea of our body responding to things like fear and anxiety. The church has, oddly enough, even in a series on prayer, just said things like, pray it away, or this, that, and the other. But we're created in the image and likeness of God. Jesus Christ, second member of the Trinity, becomes flesh, and we see his body physically responding to something, which tells me this. Um, I've learned over probably the past six months Um, It's been a new season in my life of some fear and some anxiety in ways that I've never really experienced it before. And learning and reading how the body responds to that is very important. And so for some of us, we just go, man, you know, my neck, it's just tense or "Ah, I'm just not really sleeping well. I mean, we know through science and through medical advice that the body is responding to that. I mean, we're designed from when fear enters in, that it evokes a physical response from us. And I love what Steve Cuss says in the book. He says there's three ways that you can see in your body primarily how anxiety enters. And he says a spinning mind, a racing heart, or a tightening gut. And so if anxiety, if you're in a business meeting or if you're having a conversation with your spouse or you're just talking to someone... Next time, notice. Is it a spinning mind? Is it a racing heart? Or is it a tightening gut? And uh, the reason why I think that's important um, is because God speaks to us through the Scriptures. We believe that at Westside. Um, God speaks. If if you want to hear God audibly, as one pastor says, read your Bible out loud. We don't have to guess. Okay, Open it up. Chapter and verse, man. Secondly, we know, yes, God speaks to us through His Spirit, through people, in prayer. There are these other ways... I'm also learning this, and I had a pastor tell me this, Jason. God can also speak to you through your body. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that makes sense, man. Yeah, um, and so knowing when that <clears throat> enters into my body, fear and anxiety, um, I'm noticing it, and in those moments, I think is you, we do what Jesus does. You you run to the Father, yeah. but I just think it's so important and so beautiful that God forever preserved in His Word to show this moment in yeah. Jesus's life. It, it, it just means so much to me to see that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, and to bounce off of what you were saying about about our bodies and being aware, of the spinning mind, the the tightening gut, the racing heart, we just came out of a series not too long ago called Axioms, and yeah. and we were looking at um, some of these core foundations of the, the, the lenses that Jesus viewed the world through. And one of the axioms was God is always present and at work. Yeah. And that's been really helpful for me to, to know that, that in the midst of, of life, whether whether I'm anxious about something, my, my mind is—it's the racing mind for me. My mind just kind of runs and runs and runs, and I have these conversations in my head that never actually happen, and they make sure. me more anxious and all that. Um, and to know that God is present and at work in my life in that moment, that God is not He's not absent until I pray to him. Yeah. He's not absent until I actually like focus and think about the right words or anything. God is God is present and at work now in the midst of my anxieties and in the midst of my troubles. The question isn't is God at work. The question is am I aware of Absolutely. God being at work? And I think that comes within our bodies.
1: And I think one of the a great thing that that someone can do is before prayer, um, I try to take three deep breaths and just see where i'm at you know yeah and and about the second breath i can primarily know okay i've i've been anxious about something today something's yeah. gone on and i just think being aware of that is helpful in prayer yeah. it's, it's becoming aware of of god and the more we become aware of God, we become aware of ourselves. Yeah. And the more we become aware of ourselves, we become aware of others. I mean, this is this is a chain reaction. And I think the conduit through which that happens is prayer. Yeah, man, it is prayer.
0: Absolutely, awareness is a hard thing in twenty twenty. Um, we live in we live in a world where the 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 perception that we have the the uh, peripheral that we have on either sides of our heads are sort of limited to like the three and a half inches of the width of our iPhone screens. (laughs) Like, like, but basically what does this have for me today? What am I going to scroll through? And, and training ourselves in that awareness I think is really, really helpful. And, and I agree with you that the fruit of that does come from prayer. Yeah. Um, so the prayers of Jesus, if, uh, uh, we're sort of wrapping up with what we planned on talking about, but I want to hear from from both of you guys, what are some of the biggest takeaways for yourself? If there's one thing that you remember from the sermon series, the prayers of Jesus, what is it? And then what is one thing you would want to share with somebody from the series, from the prayers of Jesus?
1: That's, uh, That's good. Yeah. Um, I think for me primarily, and it came out just in every sermon, was just approaching God as Father, yeah. Um, the sentence that we said is your perspective of God affects your prayers to God. So, you know, A.W. Tozer says the most important thought that anybody has is what they think of God. Right. And so, if God is a demeaning judge, or an old grandpa, mm-hmm. or an absent father, that will affect your prayer life. And we see Jesus, the Son, um, show us how to approach God as Father. Yeah. And having kids. Man, that's just been watching my kids interact with me, just feeling, you know, the Spirit of God say that it's relationship. That's what I'm desiring. Yeah. You know, and then his patience with me when I understand him as father. Um, yeah. That's, that's just been, it's been huge for me. I think starting there yeah. is everything. Yeah. You know, for me in the season. That's so.
0: really good. Nico, what about you, man?
2: Yeah. I, I would say I would just kind of, um, uh, Tag along with the relational aspect of that. I think, I think living here in Southeast Missouri, um, it's so easy for us to rely on um, simple. Well, I'll pray for you in, in, a, in a conversation, in a when someone says I'm having this issue, and you you casually say I'll pray for you. Yeah. We, it's too easy for us to not actually do that, right. or not actually live up to that. Yeah. Um, and so considering the relational aspect of 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 God not just being a deity but being relationally a father um yes is is so huge um and I think I think the weird thing is prayer for a lot of us has always been um, a very personal and private thing and every time that we've talked about prayer um for us when we talked about it earlier um in the podcast we we talked about the times that we went alone. Um yeah and the the strange thing is though 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 Christ is is separating himself. Um, the disciples are also supposed to be praying,
1: included, included, yeah, in sure, right, sure.
2: And so, um, you know, I, I think the timing of all of this stuff is is so fast fascin- and fascinating. Um, I, I love being able to spend time with you guys as uh, as a congregant because I believe it's so interesting to see how the timing of of what you as a pastoral staff is working on compared to what is happening within my life and other and the Mm. lives of other congregants. Um, it's good. You know, I was, I was speaking to, um, a friend of mine and, uh, and I was like, is there anything that I could pray for you for? And, uh, she was like, no, I'm fine. I was like,
1: no, seriously. Like what,
2: what, what, what is it? And she was like, and, uh, and she started kind of opening up to me and it was one of those really strange things of where she was like, I don't think you understand. Like I'm I'm about to break down right now because no one's actually talked to me like that yeah, before. Man. Yeah. Um. And, in in my mind, I I th- I thought about all the times that I've passively, um, said I was going to pray. Sure. But the flesh was weak and I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's
1: good insight. Nico. And
2: and I think that's such a beautiful thing to see what happens when you actually come in full humility, saying, "This is." someone I care about, who who God clearly cares about, what happens when I bring that to the table. It's beautiful. Um, and, yeah. and it's a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, Good. that's awesome. I think for me, I, I loved going through the high priestly prayer. I loved seeing yeah. Jesus J- Jesus practically, or Pastor Jason, you breaking down the, the ways that Jesus prays in that prayer, um, that he prays for himself, that he prays for his his current disciples and then his future believers. And, and uh, I often find myself um, in that category where I either just pray for, for people that I know in my immediate family or for things that, that I either need emotionally or physically or sure. mentally or whatever. Um, and I think the in conjunction with the high priestly prayer, John 17, what we went through with that, and then what we saw this past week um, with Jesus in the garden, I think the biggest takeaway for me is honesty in prayer, mm-hmm. um, being honest with God uh, in prayer uh, on, on what I'm either frustrated with at the time or who I am, um, sure. even if it's God. That yeah. was a big... Uh, a big, um, learning point for me is that it's okay to be honest with God about God or yes. with honest with God about my feelings yes. towards God. Um, and we've said this in the past that, uh, emotions are a, are a poor guide. Um, but they're a good, they're a good gauge. Yeah, sure. Um, um, and, uh, we shouldn't let our emotions guide us but we can use our emotions kind of as a gauge of where we are sure. and and I think to allow prayer to be the avenue where we where we can allow our cuz God can handle it. God can handle Amen. your emotions. God can handle your frustrations and and your weaknesses and all of that. The place that it the place that can't handle it is Facebook <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the oh, comment yes. section. <laughs> and and Preach. Uh, it, I mean the the I'll pray for you and sending thoughts and prayers yeah. the, those are those are wonderful and hallmarky and I, and I love that. And if you're actually praying for the person that, that you're typing that for. Sure. Well, that's wonderful. That's great. That's awesome. But um, I think th- that social media is uh, a plague. We have this illusion that that uh, the idea of, of freedom and our emotions is given to us in what we type and what we say online. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the true freedom that God has given to us to express our emotions in is through prayer to yes. Him. And so that's been a huge takeaway for me, it's being good, honest man. in that. And uh, one thing that I would want to share from the sermon series um, is, is that point that we had and how can we Uh, how can we voice our pain in our prayers to request friends to pray? Um, I'm pretty isolated in the way that I pray. I very rarely pray with other people, um, and I was convicted in that, and I want to share. I would love to share that with other people that, hey, this is something we're creating in His image and likeness and community, and let's do this together. I heard a guy
1: say one time, I can know more about a man in five minutes of prayer than five years of just seeing him on a Sunday morning. Yeah, And I just think that's like super powerful, yeah. you know, that, that depth of that relationship. So yeah. absolutely, man, That's it's good awesome. stuff. This yeah, is it's good. good. It's been yeah.
0: a great sermon series. Yeah. I really enjoyed and, it.
2: And I'll say to speak to that too, um, there was a, a couple of Sundays ago that we, um, kind of invited the congregation to pray together. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. With their families and things of that nature. And, uh, I was going around taking pictures that day. And when you're looking through a, a camera lens, you notice so many different things. And mm. I think it's so fascinating, um, you know, Jason watching you pray with your family and seeing that and then me turning my my camera over and not to not going to name names, obviously not calling anyone out, but seeing, you know, married couples struggle with that. Right. And I think it's so fascinating to see as you're talking about the the, the conviction of not praying together. And yeah. It's so so interesting to see, even in an environment when it's encouraged and, and safe. Um, how much we wrestle with that. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those weird things of with us in in, the Bible belt of the United States, we, we're so comfortable with um, a Christian identity and a Christian, you know, title. Um, but I think seeing it uh, actually have to be lived out is Boots so Boots on the ground, man. yeah.
1: And one of the things, and I would just like to plug this, primarily in speaking to men, I mean, a guy would— kill somebody with their bare hands if they broke into the house and right. would defend and do all this. And if you ask a man to pray with his wife, watch him crumble. Yeah. Because what we said is honesty is the key to intimacy. And so one of the things that we want to do to help with that is in, in January, we're starting West Side Men. Yeah. And um, it's a place not to get beat up. We're, we're, we're not doing that. I think men are getting beat up enough. It's a place to get built up. Yeah, man. And it's a place to honestly come as a man and say, I desire deeply to pray with my wife, and I feel so ashamed and so insecure to do that. And you know what we'll say to you? Join the club, bro. Right. Join the club. Come on in. This is a place for that, and and we're just going to struggle together and yeah. just stumble forward together mm-hmm. um, as men. And so just be you, you know on the podcast, uh, on our Facebook feed, just be looking out for that, be praying for that. Yeah. It'll be uh, starting in January, and if yeah. you're around in the area, it'll be Wednesday nights at 6.30 at Westside, yeah. and so, awesome. so come hang
0: out with us. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday night, Westside men, coming in January. Uh, one other thing that we've got coming up beforehand, Advent is coming up. and yes. This coming Sunday, we are starting out Our new sermon series, and we just wanted to give a a quick short blurb about what that's going to be. It's called "So This Is Christmas." Uh, Paul and Yoko,
1: excuse me, Yoko. Yes. um, And uh, (laughs) uh, tell us a little bit about the sermon series. So this is Christmas. Yeah, I've I've been thinking about it. And Advent and Christmas are just going to hit different this year, man. Yeah. Um, In light of the pandemic, in light of the division in our nation, uh, disease, discord, distrust. There is all of that, and then we're supposed to stop. And, and, and listen, if, I think this year it's going to expose some things. That, yeah. if it, that, that if you're bought into a Hallmark Christmas, it's just not going to suffice. It's just not going to feel right because of all the brokenness in the world. And the predominant question that has just dominated my thoughts, thinking about the incarnation, God becoming a human, putting on flesh, God coming down, yeah. coming down, was this. Why would anybody want to come here?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs>
1: Why would anybody want to come here? And I think that question is an honest question. And so during this Advent season, we're going to answer that question as to why would God want to come here to this broken creation? So join us.
0: Yeah, that'll be awesome. We'll do Sunday mornings uh, throughout the month of December at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We have a KidSide program on uh, Sunday, December the 20th, and then uh, we have one service on Sunday, December the 27th after Christmas, and we are really excited about that, launching us into the new year. So yes. um, any closing thoughts from any of you guys before I say what I had planned to say to end the podcast? Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, I think there's a ton of resources out there to get back to prayer. Um, of a few of them. The first one is Andrew Murray with Christ in the School of Prayer was yeah. a book that I used a lot during the series. Great. Use that. Um, there's also like the Valley of Vision. Mm-hmm. There's the Book of Common Prayer. Yeah. You can go to seedbed.com. There's a ton of resources out there. I don't want to bog you down with those because I simply just want to encourage us this. You learn to pray by praying. Yeah. So you just learn to pray by praying. Yeah. And so uh, we're praying for you. You pray for us and yeah. uh, we'll do this thing together. That's great. All right, guys, this has been the rest of the sermon. Thank you so much for
0: listening. If you want more information about who we are as a church, you can go to westsidepb.org. And if you want to catch our live stream, you can catch us on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you have any questions um, that in the future we uh, will take time to answer on this podcast, you can send those questions to us at info at westsidepb.org. Whether it's a part of the sermon that stood out to you or something that uh, you have a question about that wasn't really addressed on a Sunday morning. We want to hear those questions, so send those to us. Again, thank you for listening to the rest of the sermon, and everything that we do, everything that we see in our lives, and everything in the pages of Scripture, may we never forget, it is all about Jesus. We love you. Blessings.